Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. My name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here, man. It's my my honor to be here with you guys this this morning. And so just a quick note, we've been in the book of Mark for 17 years now, and so in that, um, one of the things that we're going to do is we just finish up Mark chapter 12, and so the next chapter obviously is Mark chapter 13. A lot of end times, a lot of stuff that Jesus talks about, what's going to happen in the end. We are actually today going to jump over that chapter, and we're going to cover that on first Wednesday this coming week, and so you want to be there for that. So we're actually going to go to Mark chapter 14, if you don't mind, and we're going we're gonna to kind of land there for most of the day. Happy Labor Day. I'm glad you guys are with us today. If uh, this is your first time, man, it is our honor that you would be here with us. So there's a huge debate out all over the world, especially, though, in America. And, and you've heard it. You, it's political talk. It's, it's through everything that you see, local news, uh, wide-ranging news. And it's the idea of, like, of fake news. And it's the idea uh, of alternative facts. And there's all these kind of things. And really, the, the, the philosophical idea of uh, we all have our own truth. Like, you have a truth, I have a truth. That we, everyone has a truth. And there's a debate there. And, and, and people can talk about that, but I do know that in this world, there are some hard-lined laws of the universe. There's some hard-lined rules of the universe, hard-lined rules of the world. And I have, my, I've been working in youth ministry since 2007, actually, technically, as a youth worker, and then on staff here for over a decade now. And so I've done a lot of youth ministry, and I love youth ministry, but even when we talk about multiple truths and, and, and alternative facts and, and fake news, I'm just going to tell you, there are some very real laws of youth ministry that I have found out over the last couple years. Here, here's the first one, real easy. We, we call it the law of diminishing intelligence, okay? The law of diminishing intelligence. It says that no matter how many times you tell the students, hey, make sure you sign up, here is the time, here is the date, here's how much it costs, it does not matter they will text you the day of the event. Hey, when is that going to happen again? When does this go on and how much does it cost? That, that will always happen from the time that it starts to the time it ends. They will have no clue or no idea. Here's the, here's the second one, that second law that I see. It's the law of really just crowd stupidity, okay? Don't know if it's locked to just youth ministry, but I do know that it is a youth ministry law. It's a fact that if two boys come up with an idea, it's probably an okay idea, all right? It's, not, it's maybe dangerous, but it's, it's okay. But when you add three boys to it, then something's going to get broken no matter, no matter what happens. If the number goes over 10, then you know something's probably gonna be on fire. And realistically, this law shows us that at the number 15, somebody's probably going to the hospital and there's gonna be therapy involved in some capacity. That's the law of crowd stupidity. That's what I've learned in youth ministry, here's the last one, really, the law of substitution. The law of substitution says this, that if we as a youth ministry will go away for a weekend retreat or we go to camp or we do anything like that, if we, if we are gone for more than 24 hours, then the boys, sometimes even girls, in the cabin will substitute a shower for Axe body spray. That is that's the law of substitution. Now, these kids, they're so young, they, they don't understand. When I was in youth ministry, we just soaked ourselves in brute, okay? That's what we, that's what we rock, but they, they have the Axe body spray, and that's what they, 
they go through. Today we're going to talk about, and this is the worst transition to this story, but we are going to talk about a fragrance, and we're going to talk about a perfume that, that I, I, I felt bad doing it. They're, they're going to talk about a perfume and a fragrance that we see in Mark chapter 14. And, and in this story, there's a, a lady named Mary. And you've heard the story. She, she anoints Jesus' feet with this, this perfume and this fragrance, and, and it tells this bigger story to all of this. So real fast, just context-wise, there are numerous accounts of Jesus being anointed in the Gospels. And so a lot of people debate, even on this one, in Mark chapter 14. They, like most of us will say, well, in Mark 14, that was Mary Magdalene that did that. She, was, she had a kind of a skewed, kind of rough past, and that was her. Well, honestly, most theologians would say that this story right here isn't the story of Mary, that that does happen in the book of Luke. But if you're going to find two stories that match up, it's really Mark 14 and, and the story of the anointing in John. And so this is not Mary Magdalene in the story. Actually, this is Mary who was with Martha and the sister of Lazarus in this story and the anointing of Jesus. And so verse 1 and 2, it just kind of shows us that this is happening really at the beginning of the Passover season, the holiest of the high holidays, and that the priests and the scribes we're plotting ways to kill Jesus. And so we're just going to read a lot of scripture today, and we're going to go through this. So Mark chapter 14, verse 3, here we go. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Like, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they began to scold her. Verse 6, Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a noble thing for me. Verse 7, you can always have the poor with you. You can always do what's good for them whenever you want, but you don't always have me. Verse 8, she has done what she could. She was anointed my body in advance for burial. Verse 9, I tell you and I proclaim that wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will always be told in memory of her. And so that's, that's the story today. And so I want to just talk about a couple things that we can get out of this story. So really three things that we can see from this. Num number one, like her worship, it could not be contained. Her worship could not be contained. So she comes in here into this scene in the middle of a room, and, and she breaks this jar open, this alabaster box. She pours it all over him. The fragrance like lits up the whole house around it. And Jesus in this moment is just, he's stunned. And he sits there and he sees this amazing thing that happens. And when this happens, there's other people in the room and they're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, what is she, what is she doing here? Like that, that could have been used for something better than pouring it all over the ground. Like what's, what is she, like that's a lot of money. Like you're wasting it. Like logically in their mind it didn't make sense. But Jesus, he stopped there in that second and he said, whoa, whoa. She's doing something powerful. She's doing something noble here. She's anointing me for burial. And then he says this really interesting phrase. He says, wherever the gospel is presented, this woman, Mary, she will be recognized throughout the rest of history. This is a prophecy that he tells that right now you and I are living in just by telling of this story. And so what I want you to know is that today your, her worship could not be contained. Her worship could not be contained. It goes on. It's a legacy. I, I think of my grandma, my, my grandma Erin, who would just pray for me. 
and she told me all the things about Jesus, and she would, she would read her Bible, and she'd read the scriptures, and, and I know she prayed for me. I, pray, I think about my, my other grandma, Grandma uh, Barnett, and she would, she would believe in me, and she believed that God had something powerful for my life. I, I think those prayers mattered, right? I think those prayers still are in effect today. And what I guess I want to tell you today is, is in this room, your worship Man, it couldn't be contained. It shouldn't be contained because there are generations behind you that need to see your worship, that need to understand your calling in your life. Uh, let me just be, I'm just, everyone say I love you, Matt. It always goes bad. I know, I know, I know. Brace yourself. I'm going to talk to the men real fast in this room. I'm just going to talk to you because I love you, okay? Here's what I need you to hear today. You need to be leading the worship in your household. You need to be leading the worship in your home. You need to be the first person. It's not your wife, okay? You need to be showing the next generation, your sons and your daughters, what worship really means. You need to show them by the way you live what God wants to do in, in their life. Can, can I, I'm just gonna be honest. I don't have any of this wrote down, so if you're mad, I love you. Been doing this for a long time now. Been doing this for over 10 years. And when you make band and sports and track, and soccer, and cheer, when you make that your kid's God in life, maybe not by how you say it, but by your actions, when you make that their God, whenever they turn 18, and they go off to college, or they go and do whatever they do, and they don't have any love for the Lord, and they don't have any care for him, I want you to think for a second, is that how I raised them? Because here, here's the truth. If they're not coming to church, if this is just kind of a low priority, if this is just, hey, hey, we got that tournament we got to get to, we, 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 I mean, we would, but we got this going on. If this is the lowest priority for you, it's going to be the absolute lowest priority for them. And so we need to lead the way in our households. We need to talk about God the way we're supposed to talk about God. Can't, just bluntly, this is non-negotiable. This should be what we do. This is the gathering of the body of Jesus. And if your kid is not connected to a Christian community, how do you think? when they go to the schools, that they're gonna live for Jesus. If they don't have somebody connected to them, that's gonna encourage them and pull them up and show them that there's a better way than what the world says. I'm just, September 12th, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw this little plug out there. September 12th, Pastor Brent sat on his heart for a while to put on kind of a men's dinner, men's event. I don't, I don't know what we're gonna call it, um, but it's gonna be an event where we come together. On September 12th, I think that's a Tuesday night maybe, and, and we're gonna eat, and we're gonna talk about God's call on our life. There should be a waiting list in our nursery. Men wanting to take care of kids. Because that's God's calling as men in the church and in our youth ministry and all around here. And it's his call. It's not a guilting. It's just an encouragement. Let's step up and do what God's called us to do. Don't let your worship be contained. I get it. I get it. Life is busy. Work. I, I. God's ever on his throne. And one generation commends your work to the next. Let's do that together. Amen? Let's keep going. Everyone good? Okay. Her worship came from connection. Her worship came from connection. That's the second point here. This story begins in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, okay? Now, just context-wise, if you, if you know anything about leprosy, I hope you don't, but if you know anything about leprosy in any capacity, leprosy in that time period in antiquity was a death sentence. You were exiled from town. You were in constant pain. You were cut off from people. And ultimately, you were cut off from 
God. This is a person who feels ostracized, that he's an outsider in all of this. And earlier on in the book of Mark, Jesus heals him of his leprosy. He, he changes his life. And so Simon is throwing this big meal for Jesus where they're celebrating all that God did. That's hopefully what Sunday mornings are for us, is that we come together celebrating all the things that God did in our week, that all the things that God did in our life, that we celebrate, that we worship, not because they're just fun songs on the screen, but we worship from a heart of gratitude. That's, that's what this is about together, and that we can celebrate, and we can grow together. But not only is Simon the one that's in the story, I'm, I'm going to go to John chapter 12 real fast and show you this story in the book of John. John 12 verse 1 says like this, Jesus came to Bethany, same thing, where Lazarus was. The one Jesus had raised from the dead, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was the one reclining at the table with them. So not only at this table and at this party is Simon, a, a former leper, a former person who felt ostracized and cut off from the community, a former person who felt like they didn't have a place for God, a former person who believed that their life was over, that because what they've done in the past has disqualified them, that they couldn't be in the presence of Jesus. This is the person sitting at a table, but not only him, there's Lazarus. And you know the story of Lazarus, hopefully. He was dead for four days. And Jesus shows up on the scene. Mary and Martha, the ladies in this story, they say, Jesus, if you would have just been here, then he wouldn't even die, Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, what are you doing? Your plan doesn't make sense. If, if you would have been here, then you would have taken care of it all. And then Jesus, you know the story, he sits down and he, and he cries and he weeps, not because he doesn't have the power, but because he empathizes with you and I, that he understands the pain of the world around us. And then he stands up as God alone and he looks and he says, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says the dead man came out. It's a, it's a picture of what happened in real life, but it's also a symbol of our own life, that we were dead in our transgressions and sins, Right? that there was a time where we were enemies of God, where we were against God, where we had nothing good in our life, that we, had, we were hell bound. And then Jesus in this moment calls out and says, come forth, and the dead man comes alive. That you are alive in Christ because of the calling of Jesus. And by the way, by the way, some of you believe that the devil can steal your calling from you. Can I tell you that if God calls you forth, that that calling is irrevocable, that that Jesus that was on the cross that covers you with blood still covers you yesterday, today, and evermore. So the calling of God is not over on your life. Hey, I screwed up. I messed up. I, I went too far. I did things I wasn't supposed to do. I, I told you I wasn't, like, I, I know what I was supposed to do, but I didn't do it. God says, no, no, come forth. Keep coming. There's a plan for your life. Is everyone still good this morning? And so in this story, we see Lazarus and we see Simon the leper and we see them together and they're celebrating what Jesus is doing. And then we see Mary, the sister of Lazarus, the one that was sitting at the feet of Jesus, the one that was there earlier in a story that was stressed out. Well, there's Martha that was stressed out, that couldn't do, like she needed to be in the presence of God, but she was doing too much work. Like she couldn't get into Jesus' presence because she had to do the dishes and she had to do all the stuff at the house. And then there's Mary who sits at his feet because there's only one thing that really matters and it's our relationship with Jesus. And she's sitting there and they're celebrating together. And this worship that Mary in this story in Mark 14 
what Mary does is she pours out this amazing offering, this amazing time of worship. She takes this thing that is so costly. She takes this thing that is so, is so rare, and she breaks it, and she worships him with everything that she has. See, just real fast, our worship, I'm sweating a lot. I hope you're ready for this. Our, our, our worship is good on a Sunday morning, but here's an easy life hack. And when you live it Monday through Saturday, it just makes us even better. The lifestyle of worship. And number three, we're gonna, we're gonna finish it out here. Our worship was costly. Our worship was costly. It's, in, it's possible that this was Mary's probably entire life savings. Some estimate it could have been twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in their time, what we would consider. And she takes this jar, right? This alabaster jar, she takes it. And the jar itself was worth a lot, but what was inside was worth even more. She breaks it, she pours it on his feet. The Bible says that she actually does it with her hair as well. She pours it all over him in this moment. Again, this is a cost of our whole inheritance in life. And she does it because Jesus was worth it. That no matter what she had attained, no matter what she's obtained, he was worth it. That the most costly thing she would give just for him. Now, last week, we, we looked at the story of the widow and the, and the rich man, and, and he put an incredible amount of money into, into the offering, and then this lady comes up, and she, she only gives two little coins, and Jesus says that she gave more than anyone else around her. In this story, the perfume was worth a lot of money. But again, it wasn't the money as much as it was the willingness to worship at all costs. Mary broke the jar and the perfume began to come out. And again, this was an act of worship, much like even in your own life, much like when you come in here on a Sunday morning and maybe it's been a tough week or maybe you're worshiping through some rough stuff in your life. Maybe you don't feel like you can worship. Maybe you don't feel like you can raise your hand anymore. Maybe you don't feel like you, God wants to even speak to you. Maybe you feel like he's rejected you. Maybe you feel like he wants to do overs with you. The Bible says she breaks the jar and pours it out. Symbolic sometimes of our broken hearts. And you know the Bible tells us that I don't, God says I don't want sacrifices don't really need your rituals, but a broken and a contrite heart, I will never reject. You come in here and you feel broken, you feel like he's not hearing you, maybe, just maybe, that's when he hears you the most. Maybe, just maybe, on a Labor Day weekend, that's when he hears you the most. It's the worship in the middle of the storm. It's the worship when it feels like it's not getting better. It's the worship when it feels like nothing's going to go well in your life. It's the worship when you're kind of in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? There's a beginning and there's an end, but you're in that middle spot where you don't know what's going on. It's that type of worship that gets God's attention, that makes him sit there and say, whoa, 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 there's something here. It's that type of worship. Some of you here this morning, you've been giving praise from a broken heart. And can I, I just, I'm not gonna speak to this out of ignorance. I'll tell you just as open and honest as I can, man, for two years, there have been weeks where my wife and I just said, man, maybe it's, maybe it's time for us to move on. 
Maybe, maybe it's time for, like, we, we just have had some bad luck of the last couple of years, and, and maybe it's time for us to just call it quits here and, and find something else out because, man, it's really hard for me to come in here and sing worship songs and, and, and be excited about Jesus when sometimes I'm not really that excited about it. When, when I have to sit at home and, and hear my wife cry herself to sleep at night. Like, th- those are... Those are the times where I think, man, maybe, I, maybe this isn't my calling anymore in life. Maybe I'm done here. And then the Lord reminds me, sometimes through his word, but sometimes through you, that it's not by my power. It's not by my giftings. It's not by my strength, but by his son that gives us the power to keep moving forward. That whom the son has set free is free indeed. Keep praising when it hurts. Keep praising when it doesn't feel good, when it doesn't seem like it's going well. This anointing was preparing Jesus for burial. That is also a symbol of things to come. I'm gonna read some more scriptures. Verse 10, it says like this, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. When they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. God is in the details in this story, right? God's in the details in your story, but in this story especially. I'm just gonna nerd out for a second. This perfume right here, uh, weird name, but it was called Nard, okay? It's an odd name, very rare. Nard is mentioned only in a couple other places in the Bible. One of them is in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter four. And this is a story where, where really the, the groom is describing his wife. You know anything about the Bible, Song of Solomon, it, it, it is a groom talking about his wife, but symbolically, it's really God talking about you and I. And the story goes that the, the groom is saying these things about his wife, and he's giving her all these compliments, and he lists out nine different compliments. And theologians actually connect these nine compliments, these nine things right there, connects it to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So these two kind of go together. Okay? But the third thing, the third thing that he mentions, which is nard in the fruit of the spirit, is the word peace. And theologians will tell you that the reason this is the way it is is because it's a reminder that the brokenness, the, the fragrant offering that she gave, the anointing of his burial is one big picture that she knew and that he knew that in this moment, he was going to go to the cross to make peace with us. To get the anger and the wrath of God off of us and to put it on his only begotten son. That this offering, not only is it this worshipful moment, but it's also a picture that God made peace with you and I. That if we would give our lives to him, that we could know him more and more. And so on a Labor Day weekend, what I'm going to ask you to do, is probably around you in your chair. There's a little cup right there. And I'm just gonna ask you to grab it. And I'm gonna have my wife give me one real fast. She forgot. As the story goes on in Mark chapter 14, you hear what happens here, right? This is Jesus and and. Judas goes out to betray him and they talk about things that are coming up. But in Mark chapter 14, I'm gonna jump down to verse 22. They sit together in the upper room. I mean, read Mark 14 this week. It's an incredible chapter. 
they, they go into this upper room together. The disciples are there. Jesus is there. And he institutes the Lord's Supper. We don't do this a lot on Sunday morning, but we need to do it more. This beautiful moment. And what I'm asking you to do is I'm going to ask you to take this little element right here. I you put it in your hand. If you have this in your hand and you've given your life to Jesus, I need you to hear this today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans 8 tells us that can death separate us from the love of God? Can life separate us from the love of God? Can cancer separate us from the love of God? Can sickness separate us from the love of God? Can my screw-ups separate us from the love of God? Can my mistakes separate us from the love of God? Is my calling revoked when I do these things? This piece of bread reminds us today that the devil doesn't win. That your calling's still there. That God loves you as much today as he did yesterday. So don't give up. Don't give up. The Bible tells us in this chapter, as they're eating, he took the bread, blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, take this, this is a body. God, I love you. Today we, we just come to you knowing that it wasn't by our stripes that we're healed. It wasn't by our goodness that we're made whole, but by you. I pray for the, the students in this room, the adults in this room, that just feel like it's over for them. That you breathe life. This is your body. And that you died for us because you have a plan for us. And you're gonna live with us in eternity forever. That we're not powerful enough. We have no more power and the cross covers everything. God, I love you and I thank you. It's in your name I pray. And let's take this element together. If you would, I'm gonna ask you to just tear back that, that next little part there. Verse 23 says like this. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. They said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. You can jump back and forth onto what he's saying here, but here, here's what he's telling us. I'm, I'm instituting a new covenant with you, a new promise. And don't think about promises like the person who promised you and then they, they, they broke that promise. This is God who is eternal, who makes a covenant with you that says, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, my blood covers it all. That if you would just believe in the one that he sent, you could be forgiven. Maybe forgiveness is the hardest when it's us forgiving ourselves. I get that. But I need you here to know that God's forgiven you if you've given your life to Jesus. And us taking this is our reminder 
and also our declaration that we're forgiven people. The Bible actually says that after they drink from this, they, they, they go out, they stand up, and they go out singing a hymn together. And this is going to lead us into the last moments of Jesus' life on earth before he returns. And so what I want us is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And I say amen. I want us to take this element. And then if you would, let's, let's stand together. And Miss Kelly's going to lead us in a hymn to kind of finish out our day here together. God, I love you and I thank you for today. Holy Spirit, the new covenant that washes away our sins, the new covenant that makes us whole again, the new covenant that reminds us that you are a great God with great love for your people. Today, for the people that are about to stand up, there's some that are gonna stand up not truly believing in the forgiveness that you've offered to them. God, I pray that you would remind them over and over and over, there is no condemnation. For those who are standing up with weak knees that are scared to death of what's in the future, God, I pray that you would help remind them that, God, you are in the future. It's a place that you reside in. For those of us in the room that we're gonna take this and maybe we don't know you at all, God, I pray that you would put people in our world, in our lives that remind us of who you are and help us to take that decision and make that decision for you. And God, as we worship here to end out this, this service, God, I pray that we worship out of the cost. Lord, your word tells us that you bought us at a high price. Price of your son. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Take this element and let's stand together. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.